Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kima, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. All right. Let's recite our mission statement of Life Fellowship. It is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Intimacy requires authenticity. Intimacy requires vulnerability. Are you vulnerable before the Lord? Are you being honest with Him? It requires trust. Are you trusting the Lord? Are you growing in that relationship and, in, and growing in trusting Him? Are you, are you stepping out and risking out and saying, God, I don't know. I know you're leading me to do this, but this is a little scary. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to walk in faith? Because as we've, we've talked about last week, it's, it's impossible to please God without faith. We have to believe that He uh, exists, right? And then we have to believe that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him, as we've talked about. So faith is a critical part of this relationship. And then the goal is that we become disciples who will impact the world with the love of Jesus Christ. That's what the Lord desires of us. So we're talking every week about our mission statement. We're talking about our vision statement because I want us to get it down in here every week. And so uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about these foundations. And this is week three. I'll be talking about baptisms. You notice it's not singular, it's plural. I'll be talking about baptisms this morning. Let's look at the Greek, uh, the meaning of foundations. The Greek word for foundations means to be grounded, to be established, to, made, to be made firm and unwavering. Spiritual maturity requires a firm spiritual foundation. And so we've been taught, last, month, uh, last year I spent like eight or nine months talking about becoming mature believers. And, and this year we, we began with the fast and now we're in week three of this series, Foundations, talking about how we can grow up and become mature. These are foundational. And as, as I mentioned, I'm just hitting the surface on Sunday mornings. We're, we're ripping through these six foundational teachings. And then on Wednesday night, Jason talked about it. We're digging down deeper. Right now, we haven't even gotten to the first principle, the first basic principle. We're still talking about the vision, the purpose, the plan that God has for all of our lives. If you're a part of Life Fellowship, you need to be here on Wednesday night, please, an hour from 7 to 8. But these foundational teachings are critical for where God wants to take us in this next season. And, and so what we're doing on, uh, on Sunday morning, I'm just ripping through these, but on Wednesday morning, I mean on Wednesday night, we're drilling down deeper and we're taking our time to go down deeper. So you really, really need to be here if at all possible. And uh, I want to see all of us living the full, dynamic, vibrant Christian life that Christ came to give us. And so we've been talking about these basics found in Hebrews 6, chapter um, 1, verses 1 through 3. And not only do we need to, to 
be here on Sunday morning and Wednesday to, to receive, but we need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and give us greater understanding into these basic things that we've been talking about. Because even though the writer of Hebrews says that they're basic and fundamental, I think what we find in the Christian culture and life today, these are really more advanced because people are not uh, drilling down into the Word of God. There are a lot of churches that aren't even teaching the Word of God anymore. And so it's really important that we come and, and we grasp these basic uh, foundational truths so that we can develop some spiritual depth and understanding of these things that Jesus wants us to understand. So let's, let's begin in Hebrews 6.1 again. Uh, well, let's start here. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. So for the past two weeks, those are the two things that I've talked about. I've talked about... Um, Repenting from evil deeds or dead works and sin and placing our faith in God. Both are critical to this relationship with the Lord. And uh, I was thinking about this this week and I, I thought uh, I can repent or I can uh, apologize, but that's not the same as inviting the Lord into my life, right? And we need both of those. So I can say, hey, Todd, man, I'm, I'm really sorry for what I did, man. I, I, I repent of that. That was wrong. But does that necessarily mean that I have a connection with the Lord? It doesn't mean that at all. Or even take it a step further where, where we can go before God and say, God, I, I'm sorry, I repent. I repent of those things that I've done. But we can stop there. Just because we apologize or repent, doesn't mean, even to God, doesn't mean that we have a relationship with Him, that we don't have faith in Him. So these things are tied together. They're critical. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. Verse 2, you don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. The Lord wants us to come to a place of understanding these things, really understanding them. And not only that we can grow in these things, but also so that we can train and equip and teach others. What do these things mean? Because there are people, there are people sitting in churches today that don't understand these basic concepts. And going through this, these, these teachings have helped me to understand some things. It's brought some clarity to me uh, regarding some of these issues, some of these basic fundamental things. And so they'll do the same for you. Okay, back to verse 2. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Baptism, it means, uh, or what it is, is the process of immersion, submersion, and emergence. To dip, to plunge, to cover completely. So, you know, if you've been to a fifth Sunday or, or a baptism service here, we baptize and we go all the way under, completely submerged. Some, some of you are so large that it creates this wake as you're going to, and so the water's going. 
And I kind of have to hold you down a little bit so the water can come back. <laughs> because I want to make sure that you're completely submerged and completely washed. So if I'm holding you down for a little while, just be patient. Because I'm waiting for the water to come back. You know, it's like parting of the Red Sea. And so... Anyway, whenever we, whenever we baptize, we completely submerge because that's what baptism means. And uh, Hebrews 6.2 says, again, you don't need further instruction about baptisms. And you notice that, that it's plural again. There are five different baptisms mentioned in the New Testament. Um, and let me, let me see. Where do I? I guess I'll talk about that later. Okay. Um, John's baptism helps us to grasp the relationship between repentance, faith, and water baptism. And we're going to read some scriptures to clarify this. Uh, let's look at Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Verse 3, the prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. So my first point this morning, and I'm just going to have five points, but it's going to be the five different baptisms that we're going to talk about this morning, and that in a few months, when we get to baptisms, uh, we'll drill down into these further, but this will just kind of whet your appetite here. So John's bat baptism was a baptism of repentance. Let's look at Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And, the, and Mark writes the same thing, basically. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It began, verse 2, just as the prophet Isaiah had written, Look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. So we know that John's ministry became or, or uh, came between the two covenants, the old covenant and the new covenant. And it was to break the traditional bondage and prepare the way for the Messiah. So that was the purpose of John, and we just read the scriptures where he's saying, hey, pre I'm preparing the way. Be, be watching for the one who's coming, the Messiah. J John's baptism was effective in preparing the way for Jesus, but John's baptism was insufficient after the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus because his purpose was to prepare the people for the way. But Jesus hadn't died for all of our sins at that point. He hadn't uh, been placed in the grave and, and resurrected and, and been uh, seated at the right hand of God. So Jesus, at this, at this point, so uh, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection satisfied the requirement of the forgiveness for all of our sins and leads us to our regeneration or rebirth. 
And so what happens is we, Jesus died for all of our sins and we come to this place and we say, Lord God, I repent of my sins. I give you my life. And that's when we're what? We're born again. We're regenerated. We're brought back into this relationship that God desired us to have all along, but was severed in the garden with Adam and Eve when they chose to disobey. You, and, and you go back and look in Genesis, you see that there's a clear change because it says that they were in the garden and they were naked and they were unashamed. And then after they ate the, the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, then what? They were ashamed. They knew they were naked. And so there was a definite change there. And so that's where sin entered into all of humanity when they disobeyed. And so it's not our fault, but it is our problem. But Jesus is the solution to our problem. And so Jesus came and died for all of our sins. So uh, let's go to Acts chapter 19. And this is an account of some believers, 12 believers that were baptized under John's baptism of repentance. And again, you know, as, as we go through this, I think this is going to help us understand, uh, give us a broader perspective and view of, of these basic fundamental things. And again, we're just hitting the surface, and so we get to drill down on Wednesday when we have more time. So Acts 19, 1 through 6. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. And so uh, uh, Apollos was in Corinth, and, and Paul's kind of traveling around, and he comes across these, uh, these believers. And he asks them, he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? He asked, and they replied, the baptism of John. Verse 4, Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. Verse 5, as soon as they heard this, they were baptized, what? In the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 6, then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. And sometimes I think we skip ahead to verse 6, and we focus on, on them being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. But I want to I go back and, and kind of look at this, uh, uh, verse 5. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized, what? In the name of the Lord Jesus. So when we baptize, we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this shows that there was something lacking in John's baptism, right? John's baptism was a temporary baptism of repentance in which people exercised faith in the coming Messiah because many of them didn't know and still don't know today that Jesus is the Messiah, right? Um, John's baptism was prior to Jesus' death. It was prior to his burial and resurrection where he paid for all of our sins, so they may have been giving genuine repentance from dead works, but that's not enough because what? There must be faith in God, as we've just read in, in Hebrews 6, 1, right? That we are, uh, the basics are repent from dead works and have faith in God. And so repentance from sin, again, is not enough. We, we need to have faith in God, um, which means 
the faith in the completed work of Christ, right? Knowing that he died uh, for all of our sins, he rose again on the third day and uh, is seated with God. So Christian baptism identifies the believer with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. All of those things are important. Uh, the baptism into the body of Christ encompasses and supersedes John's baptism. It's greater than. It supersedes. Um, these believers were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, baptized in water, and then Paul laid his hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So my first point is John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. The second baptism is into the body of Christ, which represents or which happens at regeneration. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. Are you staying with me? Are you getting this? Okay. All right. These are basic. <laughs> these are basic fundamental things. But are you saying that some of these things may be a little more advanced than what we think basic means? All right. So stay with me here. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13. The human body has many parts. But the many parts make up one whole body, so it is with the body of Christ. And so we've talked about that in the past, that so we are one body. Okay, so whether it's the Spanish church or the Korean church or the white church or, or the, uh, the black church, we are all one body, okay? Uh, verse 13, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have been baptized into and I, my emphasis is here, there. I don't know if it's emphasized on the screen or not. Is it in bold? Uh, we have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. The one who baptizes us into the body is the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? We have been baptized into one body by one spirit. The baptism into the body of, of Christ happens when we repent from our sins and we come to faith in God. The baptizer is the Holy Spirit. But we have been but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. Clear there, right? We've been baptized into one body by one spirit, the Holy Spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Some confuse this with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Okay, but this is not the same thing. This is baptism into the body of Christ, and we're baptized by the Holy Spirit. So I just want to clarify that. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is different, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But again, let me just read this verse again at the, at the risk of being repetitive. But we have all been baptized into one body by one Spirit, and we all share the same Spirit. Let's go to Acts, because the, the, the baptizer is different for who baptizes us into the body of Christ. We just read that it's the Holy Spirit, and who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Uh, um, Acts 19, 4 through 6. Paul, Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. Verse 5, as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then, and then came the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. So we've talked about two baptisms already. We've talked about John's baptism of repentance. We've talked about baptism into the body of Christ, 
which occurs at regeneration. And next, we're going to talk about the baptism we're most familiar with, probably water baptism. All right? So water baptism occurs after we are born again. Consider, you've, you've seen this happen, maybe you've experienced this here, where you're here on a Sunday morning maybe, and uh, at the end of the service, when I have the altar call, you receive the Lord, and you say, I want to uh, rededicate my life to the Lord or give my life to the Lord. And then at some point in time later, uh, then we have water baptisms, and we're going to have those in June, I think, is the next time. So if you want to get water baptized, if you want to be baptized or you want to be rebaptized, you can sign up for that coming up in June. Um, so someone receives salvation at the end of the service, and that's, that's when they're asking forgiveness for their sins and inviting Christ into their life, and they're born again at that point. And then at some point in time, they get water baptized. So water baptism doesn't save them, but submitting our life to Christ and following him is what saves us. But Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, what? He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make, what? Disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he said, teach these new disciples to obey all that I've taught you and know that I'll be with you till the ends of the age. We know that Christ was baptized as an example for us to follow. And he tells us before, before he departs to, to uh, go and train up and equip other believers, get other people saved, and to baptize them as well. So uh, again, baptism doesn't save us. It's committing our life to, to Christ and following him that saves us. But this is why we don't baptize babies. Because they can't really, they're, they're not at a place where they repent of their sins, right? And, and so what, what do we do here at Life Fellowship? We dedicate babies to Christ. We say, Lord God, we're dedicating this child to you. And, and uh, if you've been to one of our baby dedication services, we pray for the parents and we pray for the extended family and we dedicate the child to the Lord. And then at some point in time, that child comes to the reality and the place where they say, wait a minute, I'm, I'm just a little sinner. I need to repent too. And I, I need to have Jesus come into my life. Because if they're an infant, they, they don't know that they even need to repent. What are they going to repent from? Pooping on themselves? Well, that's just part of the process, right? So uh, they don't know that they need a Savior until they come to this place. And so all of us come to that, that point. And I, I want to say this too. I believe that water baptism is symbolic of, of, of dying and, the, and, the, and coming up out of the water. But I think there's something more that happens. I don't think it's just symbolic. I think God does something as we, as we go through that process. And uh, uh, it, it does represent, you know, washing and cleansing of all of our sins and, and leaving the old life behind and, and the new beginning and the new life and all of those things. But I think there's more to that as well. So uh, we've talked about John's baptism, baptism into the body of Christ, baptism by water. And now let's talk about baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit occurs after salvation. So we, we come to this place, and uh, we submit our life to the Lord, and, uh, and God begins this process. And, and you, you may have noticed that when someone gives their life to the Lord, and I lead them in a prayer of salvation on Sunday morning, there's a second prayer that I normally pray. 
And, and really what I'm praying is that they will have this encounter, that they'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because I pray something to the effect of, Lord God, I pray that they would experience you in a fresh new way, that they would hear your Holy Spirit, that they would receive all that you have for them to receive. And uh, they would hear your small, still voice speaking to their hearts. You know, so in effect what I'm praying is that they receive the Holy Spirit as well. So the, that's kind of the process of how this all works. And uh, we can differentiate the baptism into the body of Christ and the baptism of the Holy Spirit by the baptizer because they're, they're two different baptisms and they're performed by different people. Water baptism, who's it performed by? It's performed by men. And so baptism into the body of Christ, as we just read earlier, who's it? it's done by the Holy Spirit. And so let's look at verse, uh, let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 13 again. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, and some are slaves, and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all have the same spirit. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. Jesus baptizes us into the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Luke three fifteen and 16. This is John the Baptist speaking here. And he says, Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon. And they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. So John answers their questions. He says in verse 16, John answered their question by saying, I baptize you with water. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He, he's speaking of Jesus here, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So do you see the difference here? Baptized into the body of Christ is the Holy Spirit. Baptized into the Holy Spirit is Jesus. He will baptize us, he, ba he will baptize you with spirit and fire. Jesus says this in John 16, 7. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And so Jesus was trying to explain to the disciples that he was going to go away, and it was best for him so that the Holy Spirit would come. And, and we know that the Holy Spirit has come to lead us and guide us into what? All truth. And so we as believers 2,000 years later, we have the benefit of that as well because we're walking through this life and we have the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us. So are you, are you guys getting this? Because you look, you look kind of quiet. You're sounding kind of quiet. And you're looking at me like, okay, what's next? All right, hang on. All right. Okay, so the next baptism is the baptism of fire. Let's go back to Luke 3, uh, 16 and 17. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not even worthy to tie uh, to be a slave and to untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So those are two different things. Are they not? It would appear so. Baptism of the Holy Spirit and, meaning in addition to that, and fire. So what is the baptism of fire? And we're really going to have to wait till Wednesday. You're going to have to wait a couple of months before we really drill down into this. Uh, let's look at, at verse at, uh, Luke 3. 
17. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat and his winnow and fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. Notice the chaff is burned, but the wheat is saved. And so the baptism of fire is the testing that we go through and, and through life because, um, you know, just like in school, you, you took tests. Why? Because the teacher was mean? No, because it was, well, maybe the teacher was mean. I don't know. They're probably salivating. <sighs> Let's see how they do. But the, the test should be so that you can uh, determine where you are in the course, right? Whether you're grasping the material or, or whatever that looks like. And so God's word says that he does not tempt us. It says, in fact, that we're, we're tempted by our own lustful desires, but he, which draw us away, tempt us and drag us away, right? But so he does, God doesn't tempt us. He's not tempted and he does not tempt us, but he will test us to see where we are. And it's, it's, it's for our own good. And so James says, count it all joy, not if, but when you have trials and temptations for the testing of your faith, builds your patience or perseverance. And when your patience or your perseverance is complete, then you are complete, lacking nothing. See, God is not so interested in our comfort as he is in building our character that we grow in this relationship. And let me be very clear, this is not about performing but it's about this grace. And then at some point in time, uh, just like you want your child to grow up, you want to be able to talk straight with your child, right? And say, hey, listen, I, we need to have a, a talk here. You're, you're doing this, and this is not good for you, right? But, and what, what does that require? That requires a level of maturity for that child to begin to understand but the child shouldn't walk away thinking, oh, man, Daddy beat me up again. No, Daddy loves you enough to say something because he wants you to grow up and mature and become a, a vibrant, healthy uh, a, an adult that can live the life that, that they were designed to live. And so God does the same thing with us in the fact that he wants us to grow up and mature. And it begins with having some basic understanding of some of these basic foundational teachings that we need to get. And then God will allow these tests or bring these tests to see how we're doing. Because sometimes we're not going to realize how we're doing until we're in a test. Until we go through a little bit of heat. What's the difference uh, between charcoal and a diamond? They're both carbon, heat, and pressure. And so God wants to do something special in our life that we become, that we go from being a chunk of coal to becoming a diamond. So the test is, is not to discourage us, but it's to confirm where we are. Excuse me. Uh, just like tests in school. Another, another example is, is when a, a, a goldsmith or... Uh, uh, silversmith uh, is is purifying metal. They they put this metal in a crucible, and it gets really hot until it becomes liquefied. And then what happens? Then those impurities and dross begin to rise to the top because of the heat. And those those impurities can be uh, removed. 
And so the goldsmith or silversmith realizes that the gold or silver is pure. What? When they can see their reflection then in the liquefied metal because all the impurities are removed. And so God wants us to look like Christ. And so he's removing the dross and the impurities from our life. And he wants to see himself reflected in our life. He wants us to, to be living this Christ-like life where I no longer look like Mark Johnson, but I, I look more like Christ. In other words, I'm acting and responding like Christ, not like the old selfishness that pops up every once in a while. You know, like a whack-a-mole, bam, that thing pops up, bam, 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 bam. That's how I feel sometimes. You know, this, this old selfishness pops up. I say something or do something, and I'm like, golly, Mark, really? You have to act like that? So these are some of the tests that God brings into our life because it's a stark reality of where we are. The word says, out of the abundance, not just a little bit that's in there, but out of the abundance of our heart is what comes out of our mouth. <laughs> that can be really good, and it can be really indicting too. Because I hear some of the things that come out of my mouth, and I'm like, wow, that's deep. That's coming out of my heart. You know, so it can be good and bad. And so what God is wanting to do is pull that stuff out of us. He's wanting to take those weeds from our life and not just snap them off. But he wants to get the whole root and everything. And some of us, he's having to work to get that loosened up because that soil of our heart has those roots bound up. We're hanging on to those weeds. And God is wanting to remove that so every fiber of that stuff comes out of us. Why would he do that? Because he loves us? Do you know people that are, are wounded? that are hurting other people out of their insecurities or their woundedness or, you know, whatever, I think we could all look in the mirror and say, yeah, that's me. <laughs> and so God is wanting to do something in our hearts and lives. And the Lord wants us to look like Christ. And, and so this, this baptism of fire is not a bad thing. God wants to remove all that stuff from our life. He wants to see us reflect Jesus. And please hear me, this is not about performing. It's about the Lord working in our hearts and lives to be more like Him. And that's a choice that we all make really every day. We say, God, I can choose to yield to you or I can choose to stay where I am. Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me or call us at 832-864-2800. Have a great week and remember to live it. God bless you.